God bless you all. It's good to be here tonight again, and we're going to continue looking through Romans. And we're now up to Romans 5, verse 1, and we're going to look through all of chapter 5 this evening. So there's 22 verses, I believe. Yeah, so there's oh, 21 verses, I apologize. There's 21 verses. So we're going to look through these verses um, in a couple of short passages and then in one longer one near the end. You see, this morning we looked at Romans 4, and we were looking at the faith of Abraham and how Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Because you see, Abraham was a man who believed in what God said. God said yeah, this, and he believed it. God said that, he believed it. He put his faith fully in God. So one of the instances shared in the last passage was about he was old. He was nearly 100 or over 100 years old. And Sarah, his wife, was a very similar age. And her womb was barren. And she was in her 90s. So imagine a, a, a woman barren in her 90s, still believing that she could have a child. So ladies, it's not too old. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but honestly, you know, that, that's the, but, but that's the irony of it. You know, you wouldn't imagine it, uh, somebody in their 90s having a child. But you know what? They didn't disbelieve God. They believed God. They took God at his word. Whenever God promised them something, in faith they took hold of it. So whenever, Mo, or, sorry, whenever um, Abraham was even asked to take Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him, so after he had this promised child, that was a miracle baby because it happened to a barren woman in her 90s. He took, the, he took Isaac with him up the hill and God said, sacrifice Isaac to me. So he was like, I'm going to have to kill the child that God promised me. And even in that instance, he was faithful because he knew God was a God of miracles. God was a God of the miraculous. God was a God of the impossible. Whatever is impossible to man is possible with God. That is the God that we believe in tonight. And that's why in verse 5, it launches out by the very first word that says, therefore. Because usually when something's there, you've got to ask, what's it there for? Whenever it says, therefore, you've got to ask, what's it there for? So we can see from chapter 4, looking at, Isaac, or looking at Abraham sorry, um, and what he did and how he lived his life in faith, we can see why it's there. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through, Je through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So he's starting with a very simple reminder that we have peace. Even in the midst of whatever happens, we have peace. Not in some feel-good type way, but in a deep, undeserved grace type way. Because we know that we're not worthy of um, the grace that God shows us, but we accept it. We have to accept it. It's a simple reminder that we are meant to be full of God's peace. So even in the midst of the biggest storm in our life, even though we've done nothing to deserve God's grace, he gives it to us anyway. We've got to simply believe. And we not only get forgiven, 
but God invites us into His family. So whenever you put your faith and your trust in God, you don't just get forgiven and then left to it. You actually get forgiven, and then He says, look, come and be a part of my family. So God invites us in faith to be part of this faith-filled family of other people who have also been broken, but they still put their faith in God and they put their trust in God. And that is what we as believers are meant to be. We're meant to be so full of faith because we know nothing we can do, as we looked at this morning, we know nothing we can do makes us worthy. You can't do anything to make you worthy of God's love. No matter what you have done or no matter what you haven't done, you know what, nothing can take God's love away from us. And we can boast in that because He is our living hope. He is the hope that we have. And then not only that, we're invited in, we're given this hope, but then He also shows us all of His glory. He shows us how amazing He really is. And that's why our relationship with God is so vital, because God wants to reveal to us how amazing He really is. And it's actually, it's foolishness to people who don't believe. That's what it says somewhere else. It says it's foolishness for people that don't believe in this. They just don't get it and they don't understand it. But for us who believe, you know what, it's actually, it's one of the most pivotal and one of the most amazing things that we can ever apprehend, or comprehend, sorry, not apprehend, comprehend. Verse three, it encourages us. It says, not only so, but we also, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, the eternal truth, it's, the etern it's this eternal truth that gives us, you know, it gives us everything and it will never leave us or forsake us. That's the eternal truth, is that, you know, whatever God does in us, he's going to complete See, some people have been taught and told that if you come to God with all of your problems, life's going to get sorted. You'll have easy street. You'll have easy, easy streets in my head after um, I went and watched Annie last night. You know, me and Katie went down to Wolverhampton Grand, so easy streets in my head. You know, because everybody wants the easy street. Everybody wants the easy way of life. True? If, it, like, if, you, if you knew that, you know, you've got a rocky mountain to climb that way, or you've got a lovely gentle path around the mountain you know which one you automatically want to go for. But you know what? What's, what's the one with the better views? What's the one with the better, with the better thing? The rocky road that goes up high. And the thing is, God, God doesn't say, you know, come to me and life will be easy. He says, come to, yeah, if anything, it's the opposite. It's actually harder to follow God. But the thing is, some churches even today teach, come to God and all your issues and all your problems will go away. And then after a few months of being in church, people go, well, this isn't what was promised to me. This isn't what, what I was told was going to happen. So they walk away from church completely disillusioned, going, but God didn't make my life better. God doesn't say, and he never will say, that bad things won't happen to us. But one thing he does say is, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So in the middle of the problems of life, in the middle of the issues that you get in life, in all of your fear and insecurities, whatever that looks like, he says, I'm going to be on this journey with you. I love what the Life Application Bible um, says in it, um, in, a, in a wee blurb at the bottom. It says, Paul says, in the future we will become, 
Until then, we must overcome. So we know what we're going to become. We're going to become this, the, the perfect children of God in the future. But until then, we need to overcome all of our issues, all of our insecurities, all of, all of the stuff which is in our way of actually becoming the children of God that we're destined to be. It says, we can rejoice in suffering, not, uh, not because we like pain or deny its tragedy, but because we know that God is using life's difficulties and Satan's attacks to build character. That's what God does with us. Whatever life we have to go through, he's in with us in the middle of the storm. And you know what? He's totally at peace in the middle of that storm. And then he will use the method of going through things to actually teach us and actually build us in our faith. Because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. So even in the midst of the darkest situations, we can still have hope. We can still, no matter what atrocities happen in our lives or around us, we can just say, my hope is in God because I know the plans he has for me are for good. Even though if I can't see the goodness that comes out of it, you know what, God can use all things for good. See, this is the hope that we need to look for. This is the hope that God gives us even in the middle of the worst situations. And the thing is, everything changes from trials and troubles into opportunities to grow. Are you seizing the opportunities in your life to grow? All the struggles that you're having, all the stuff you worry about, all the stuff that you're concerned about, all the, the worries about tomorrow or even things that have happened in the past that you think are just going to keep coming up time and time again. Are you willing to let them go? And actually, are you willing to allow yourself to grow in God? Verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation is that he died for us. And the thing is, he didn't die for you in your best day. He died for you in your worst. The worst moments of your life that you can imagine, that's when God said, you know what, I choose that person. At the worst time that they have. And that's where God's grace steps in and saves us. Because Jesus died for the worst of the worst. He didn't die for the best of the best. He died for the worst of the worst. The Apostle Paul at one point even, he turns around and said, you know, that he died for sinners of whom I am chief. He classed himself as the worst sinner that he knew. And the thing is, I think most of us would probably put ourselves in that bandwagon because we know what thoughts we've had. We know where we've been in our minds and even in our hearts and even sometimes what we've actually done. The ultimate sacrifice of giving up your life for others is one of the toughest choices that you could ever make. If you, were, if you had a reality in front of you of, if I know if I choose to sacrifice my life, it will save theirs. It's actually, it's a really hard, life to, uh, really hard choice to make. And that's, what was, that's in essence what was given to Jesus. 
Jesus had to choose whether to die or not for you and for me. But he chose to die. So that must tell us something about how much he values us, how much he cares about us. The Bible says, it even says in the verses there that it's hard for the best of the best people. It's actually really hard to die. It's really hard for someone to choose to die. But for someone who's really good, it's actually a really tough choice to die. I love the ending of, save, of Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if you've seen Private, Saving Private Ryan. But um, at the ending, the, ending um, the man's standing in front of a gravestone because... Um, because one of the guys, basically, he, <laughs> yeah, so basically one of the guys um, in the movie turns around and says to him, earn this, because he, the, this guy and this unit was sent to find Private Ryan, and, and they all died through saving this one private. They actually all died. And the captain in charge of it all, just as he's dying in the bridge with his last breath, says, earn this. So at the end of the life, at the end of his life, the man standing in front of the gravestone of the man who told him to earn his life and just questions whether he's even been a good man, questions, you know, has he, been, has he led a life worthy of the sacrifice that these men had made so that he could live? And, that's, and that's a, it's a very poignant moment, and it, makes me th- it does make me think about, you know, about us and Jesus. Like, do... If Jesus had have said, earn it to us, what would we feel like we would have had to do to earn our salvation, to be good enough to actually get this salvation? Because it's such an amazing gift that we, it blows our minds that we can, and we, a lot of people in the world even struggle to accept that they can be forgiven just simply by asking. A lot of people want to do something to earn this gift, but our God isn't like that because he died for us when we were at our worst, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Brings us back to the, the, well, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. Brings me back to that, that, to that chorus that we sing regularly. It's such an amazing grace that saved the wretch like me. He didn't save a good person like me, didn't save a righteous person like me, didn't save someone who had it all together like me, but saved the wretch like me. Somebody so broken and so hurting and that was actually written by a slave trader, somebody who used to, who used to captain a ship back and forward. And he, 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 in essence, took thousands of slaves to their deaths. Because if they didn't die in the journey, they would, they'd work for a few months in plantations or whatever and barely survive beyond that. But yet God worked in that man's life and that man's heart, and he was able to, he was able to pen those words through the pain and the no matter how good or how bad we are, he died for us. Verse 9, it says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You see, in this passage, it simply means that no matter what comes our way, when we give our all to God, he uses it. 
When we are saved from God, oh, sorry, when we are saved from God's wrath, this is amazing. It's amazing when we're saved from God's wrath. Sorry, autocorrect to change the word. <laughs> but now we are saved and we're called to live with God. Working through this, is, it, it's supposed to excite us. As we work through our salvation, as we work through our thing, we know that Jesus died to save us. So now he's died to save us. That's supposed to give us life. That's supposed to bring us new life. Now, the broken, sinful relationship has been repaired. We can walk simply in the truth of the salvation, the truth that we have been saved, and we can boast in what God has done in us and through us. We can boast and just say, look at what God has done in my life. God took me from the worthless person I am to the hope-filled person I'm meant to be. From verse 12, we're going to read through to the end. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not but the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of the of one man's sin. The judgment followed one's sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and the life for all people. For just as though, sorry, just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, also, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, what that's trying to say is, that's very wordy. What it's trying to say is, look, sin has always existed. Even before Adam committed the first sin, sin existed. A lot of people think that sin only was created after Adam, I think. But sin hadn't. Only the knowledge of sin was gained. 
through eating the tree, uh, eat, eating off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good and evil still existed. Same way light and dark exists. And then once Adam chose to disobey God and they gained the knowledge of good and evil, that's whenever people then had the choice of sinning or honoring God. And that couple of thousand year gaps between Adam and Moses before the law was actually written down so that we knew what was acceptable in God's sight, there was a couple of thousand years gap before Moses received the law. People still sinned even within that time because they knew in their conscience and in their heart the truth of following God or not. So what he's trying to say is this isn't a new concept. This is an age-old concept. Sin has always existed. Because through this one sin that Adam committed, death entered into the human race and we all became subject to that sin. So in total opposition to that, through the one righteous, the one righteous act that Jesus did, so you had the, the, one, the one sin that Adam did, but in total opposition to that, you had the one righteous act of, sin, uh, of, of taking away sin that Jesus did. He actually covers all sin. That's why we need to ask him for forgiveness because he covers all sin through the one righteous act because his grace is so much bigger than just that one, that, that one act that, that Adam did that brought death. You know what? This is so much bigger because look how much more sin there is. And yet Jesus, one act covers it all. Jesus' act of redemption covers it all. I'm sure we do sing that song, Calvary covers it all. My sin and shame don't count anymore. That's because it was such an amazing sacrifice that it actually transforms life. See, in everyone's life, there's so much sin that we need so much more grace. So the more sin there is, the more grace there is to cover the sin. It doesn't mean that we should go out and sin. That's a different passage for a different day. We're not supposed to just keep going out and doing wrong. We're meant to honor God with our lives. But it, it's, what it's saying is, look, no matter how much you have done, God's got enough grace to cover it. God's got enough forgiveness for you. So whether you're walking in that forgiveness or not, God has enough forgiveness for you if you choose to accept it. All you've got to do is ask. And not only that, on top of God's grace of giving us what we don't deserve, he actually doesn't give us what we do deserve. Because of, because of the sins and the choices that we have made, God even forgives us for that. So we don't get what we do deserve. We get his mercy too. So even though death entered, you know what, God gave us this opportunity of entering into eternal life. That's what we need to keep remembering every day that today I am saved by grace through faith. And we're constantly in the battle between who we are and who we were created to be. Because we're not, the, the way we are right now is not who we're created to be. It might reflect some of the, some, some glimpses of who we're created to be. But the thing is, we're meant to be so much more than we are. We're meant to follow God with everything that we are. And you see, the thing is, sin is actually the discrepancy between who we are right now and who we were created to be because we, because we live under sin. 
but yet we're not meant to live under the condemnation of sin. It, it doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you won't screw up. It doesn't mean you won't sin. But what it means is every time we do sin, God will cover us with his grace, especially as we come and repent and say sorry to him for the wrong things we've done. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we turn to. We must turn to God for our healing from the sin that we've done. We're meant to live in repentance every day. We're meant to live a life of repentance where we come to God and say sorry and then unleash um, God's will through us again as we listen for his voice. So let us in repentance turn to God and be forgiven to God by God tonight. That's what God wants to do in us and through us tonight. As we turn to him, he'll heal us from our wicked ways. And he'll actually, it'll transform our land as we do that. It'll transform the area we live in. Because that's what we're meant to do. As we live righteously, we will affect the atmosphere of the place we are. Because we will be carriers of the peace of God. And as we walk into situations, no matter how stormy they are, the peace of God carries with us. So we don't take on the attributes of the places we walk into. We bring God's peace into them situations and into them places. And we actually transform the place that we go. So, so if you walk into the middle of a fight, in essence, you, and you're carrying God's peace, the fight will dissipate. Because you, the, the peace that you carry will transform the atmosphere that you walk into. That's what we're meant to carry. So let's just pray together just as we finish. God, thank you that even though some of this is so complicated, God, it's so simple and so easy. It is by your grace that we are saved through faith. That's what it is. That's what it's meant to be, God. God, we just pray that tonight that we will just remember that while we were still sinners, while we were at the worst place imaginable, you died for us. And all we have to do is accept the free gift of grace. God, enable us just to accept this free gift. Enable us just to accept the gift in our lives of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your forgiveness. Because you are a good God who is faithful and just to forgive us of all the things we've ever done wrong. All we need to do is ask. So God, allow us to ask tonight for your forgiveness. Allow us to ask knowing that you are a faithful father who is just and able to save us. God, we praise your name and we say thank you for all that you do. So God, just lift your name high in this area and allow us to serve the people of our area as we carry your love and your peace with us. In Jesus' name, amen.